Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind, the podcast devoted to 80s entertainment and beyond. We started off in 1980. Now, you might have noticed if you're a regular listener of the show, we didn't do an action segment for 1986 and 87. That's because kind of covered a lot of those movies on the show in different forms, like in our other show, Video Night, stuff like that. And, uh, well, guess what? Rob's back. We are discussing 1988, maybe the breakthrough year of change in action movies. Do you feel like this is a year where everything kinds of turns over? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. 87, 88 is the, 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 the two years where it started to really change the, you know, the output of, like, what action cinema looked like at that time. Yeah, it's... You have much bigger budgets being sent over. Like, I mean, you're looking at a year when Rambo 3 is, what, $50, $60 million? That's insane for that time period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to, to think that uh, there was a time where $60 million made it the most expensive movie ever made. And, yeah. like, you know, you look you look at movies now and it's like, <laughs> that's like, that's, that'd be like the, uh, like a, uh, a low-budget movie considering, like, the, the budget of, like, a Marvel movie, you right. know? <laughs> Yeah, we have that, and then we have uh, Canon Pictures is running out of money, so the Bronson, Chuck Norris years are starting to fade because they're just not getting wide release. They're not doing very well. Uh, we have the debut of still uh, that almost says Sloan um, of uh, Van Damme and uh, Seagal, kind of breaking through, yeah. br- bringing the kung fu movies. Is that stupid to say? Should I just say martial arts? When I was a kid, we all called them kung fu flicks. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I used to call it karate flicks, but yeah, martial arts uh, movie would be the more appropriate yeah. term because it, it's kung fu, karate, two different things, you know. Yeah, so. it does. It does feel like it's the revival. Eighty-eight is when everybody said, "Oh, these low-budget things can make money," and all of a sudden, every single studio started looking for their next Seagal and Van Damme, and that's when like the the direct video market for action movies just exploded. This really feels like that first big year of change. Oh yeah, 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 most definitely. Especially when uh, you consider it with the um, uh, with Bloodsport and Van Damme, like Van Damme literally uh, revitalized the whole martial arts genre. It, like if you look at like uh, all those those director video movies that came out, like you know with uh, Daniel Bernhardt, Jeff Wincott, and all that stuff, like they literally trying to make them look like Van Damme on the cover with the shirts off, yeah. and all oiled up and buff. Like yeah, that's straight. That's that's Van Damme right there. That's, they're absolutely doing Van Damme. It's uh, it's also kind of the end run of Clint Eastwood with Dirty Harry. I still feel like Rookie is almost a Dirty Harry sequel that just isn't. But that it feels oh, yeah. like it's kind of his end run as an action star. He still makes movies with action, but there's something about Dirty Harry ending is kind of like the coda to those kind of cop movies. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. We're especially we're getting like buddy comedies now, and so you know eighty six, eighty seven with Running Scared and Stakeout and Lethal Weapon. It's really changing the field. So eighty eight's a very interesting year because we're getting tons of action movies, and not a lot of them were successful. And so we just selected four from the list of many, many, many action movies this year. And the first one we're going to go with 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 is Action Jackson, which should have been a franchise launcher, should have made Carl Weathers at least on the B list of when a studio goes to somebody and it just didn't. And I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, it should have, it, it most definitely should have been a franchise. It made enough money to uh, constitute a sequel. You know, um, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I mean, you know, not every movie is perfect. Um, 
But uh, it, it definitely should have led to like a, a slew of sequels. Uh, we should have had a, at least four Action Jackson movies come out. Or let's skip that idea and just give Carl Weathers some more shots at, a, at a starting a movie. What I don't understand is how, like Steven Seagal and Van Damme, their movies made way less. Above the Law, I think, made 16 or 15, and what uh, Bloodsport made 10 or 11. Action Jackson made 20-something million dollars, and mm-hmm. nobody else offered him anything. Now, Lorimar did go out of business the next year, so that's part of the problem why there isn't another Action Jackson sequel. Warner Brothers absorbed the rights, and they didn't show any interest for it, so they just kind of like uh, just put out uh, what Next of Kin and Dead Bang were the last two, I think, from Lorimar. And basically just Mm -hmm. cast that catalog off to the side for a really long time. It's only in the last couple years where people have really started looking at what Lorimar produced. And Action Jackson Jackson has been revived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see a lot of people coming back to uh, Action Jackson uh, stating, like, you know, I've seen it many times because, you know, you and me, we we, we, uh, run around in the same circles as far as, like, uh, action community, especially on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like you know, especially like with my buddy Chris Ferreras, uh, and uh, my boy uh, Mike from uh, Actions Undisputed, or Mikey A Hands, as I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> or let's talk about the queen of action, Dahlia. She's uh, yeah, she's yeah. one of the part of our group that really just loves this era, like late '80s throughout the '90s action movies. So if you're ever on Twitter, action Twitter is cool. It, we really never, ha- I don't think we've ever had a single fight. <laughs> we'll go, yeah, no, I liked no. it. I didn't like it, and that's it. Not at all. Really chill. Um, yeah, not a, not at all, not at all. Like uh, even I, I was literally a, a part of um, uh, a, de- a on-running debate that ran like all day, and there was no insults, no uh, death threats, or anything like that. It was just you know civil people having a civil discussion, you know, and just with they agreed to disagree and left with respect intact. So you know that's why I love action Twitter so much. Yeah. Uh, 88 um, is the year when I really started getting into action movies. I, I mean, I had a few that my dad would watch. We, I remember one of the very first VHS we had was Firewalker. I watched that like a million times. But mm-hmm. it was uh, getting away from like the adventure style into straight up like action movies. Is You know, like this year I discovered Die Hard and Action Jacks and my dad rented this. Lethal Weapon. Um, uh, mm-hmm. The Predator and stuff like that. That's when it really started to kick off. I mean, this is one of the very first like straight up action movies I'd ever got to watch. And um, you and I are both kids that were raised on watching TV on television. Like, that's yes. how you discovered... So those stations were always filled with the movies that were cheap to get because they didn't do very well. And I just remember, like, Action Jackson constantly playing on my local, like, you know, the higher number. Uh, some people yeah. refer to them as UHF, but I don't think it was UHF where I live. But, you know, it's usually above 35. Those are the weirdo stations with all the catalog of, like, Italian schlock and Canon pictures and stuff. Yeah, 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 most definitely. Like, yeah, I, I, I've mentioned a few times I, I was practically raised on the movies that uh, uh, there was a channel in New York called WPIX Channel 11, uh, that which the, they they would basically put out how they were New York's movie station. And they really were because they showed Action Jackson all the time and they showed Bloodsport all the time. And, and like, you know, that's how I, I really saw those movies. Like that, that channel practically uh, made me the movie fan I am today, you know. It, uh, yeah, they definitely showed Action Jackson all the time. You know, it's just—it's a glorious movie. You know, it, it really is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's everything Joel Silver got right in his films, and he boiled it down to what the elements. It's like the greatest hits collection, and it works. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say, though, that, uh, like I, I mentioned, I have issues with it. And I will say that I feel like it, it starts off a little too slow, uh, which is my initial problem with it. Like, uh, you know, you, you, you your, your hero is named Action Jackson, and he doesn't do anything for, like, almost 40 minutes. <laughs> but, then, like, but then after that, you know, it's like he literally chases a, a, a speeding taxi down on foot. <laughs> and <jumps laughs> over it. Yeah, yeah, he really does an ill backflip over it. It's amazing. What I love is the crew that Craig T. Nelson has put together to you know kill all these people, and it's almost mm-hmm. like an alternate universe of the same team that got hired by Hans Gruber and Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the uh, uh, Huey Lewis evil twin in yeah. there. You got Al Leong in there. You know, it's just like like. Uh, um, uh, uh, Craig T. Uh, Craig T. Nelson and Hans Gruber were hiring at the same bad guy facility. Yeah, the uh, it's weird seeing Craig T. Nelson like this because if you think about what he's done before this, I don't recall him really being villainous, but it fits perfectly for him because he's kind of an asshole in some of the like more comedic stuff. Except like you know, like, if you've ever seen Coach, he's kind of a dickhead in that. He's a lovable dickhead, but you get where he's coming from. Uh, when he got cast in Action Jackson, you're like, yeah, he can be a psychotic asshole. And I, but I, why is he doing the martial arts training in a fucking dad sweater? <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> this at all. Who does that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, as uh, I, I have my own problems with that. The uh, the whole like, yeah, we 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 need to show him doing martial arts so we can like set up the the big uh, confrontation at, at the end between the two of them, and it's like. Yeah, but are we really going to believe that uh, Action Jackson is, is going to be in any danger against fucking uh, Coach over here? Yeah. Well, it's like uh, they didn't have to show you this with um, Lethal Weapon. Like Gary Busey was going to fight Mel Gibson you know, you know, using martial arts. And I guess it just seemed like there was nothing really to set up because they never say, oh, Craig T. Nelson did this before he was in you know corporate work. Um, right. So they had to show somehow that he was tough. I'm like, the dude is like six foot eight. I think that's good enough. The guy's got yeah. a, you know orangutan arms. He can reach. <laughs> Plus money. Money always seems to be a power in these movies. Like, oh, that's a weapon. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this is before Sharon Stone really had her breakthrough. She was bouncing around all the 80s just trying to find a foothold. I mean, literally the year before this, she's the girlfriend in Police Academy 4. So she had not become the star uh, that we all knew her for until I really think Total Recall kind of made people pay attention. Yeah, I, th- I think it was more about like Total Recall was definitely the setup that, that led to her doing uh, – basic instinct where she really broke through and became like you know the sharon stone that we all know today you know yeah and this is a buddy comedy as much as it's called action jackson vanity is with him the whole way and they have excellent chemistry and she's a lot of fun oh yeah absolutely absolutely vanity is such a joy in in the film you know even though like i i remember uh because you know i used to watch it on tv all the time so i didn't see like the full like actual uh, cut of the movie until like years later, and I was so shocked when I saw that uh, 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 Laura Charles doing nudity in the, in the movie. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't know she was naked in this." Oh my so, god! So did they show the uh, jar of testicles? Oh um, yeah, Do, did they? I'm. I feel like I'm, they would have I, to cut I'm, that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. 
maybe, maybe the, huh. the yeah, I, I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall. Yeah. So, but my I, memory is bad. But it's, it's just one of those movies where everything that he was working on at the time, uh, you know, Joel Silver had like the little elements that he has throughout those films that he had building up to this are all kind of working in pretty entertaining collaboration and it's directed by Craig R. Baxley who is coming off of all things the A-Team I don't think he had done anything besides episodes of that show he was going to stunt coordinator correctly correct yeah yeah yeah. Uh, he actually was the second unit director of uh, Predator the the year prior which is how uh, Action Jackson got set up Uh, specifically he was in charge of the big firefight when they go to like the compound and the they basically uh, unleash hell, and you know, I ain't got time to bleed and all that shit. He he was in charge of of, of directing that. Okay, that makes a lot more sense because there's that one jump from the tower that looks like it's straight out of a team. You know, when they blow the thing up behind yeah. them, and they just shoot themselves straight through it. I was like, that looks like it's out of a TV show. Makes sense now. Yeah, but uh, so he would go on to a streak of successful. For the audience, but not successful financially, uh, would go into I Come in Peace and Stone Cold, and I think moved over to television. And I think the last thing I remember him directing was a couple of those Stephen King miniseries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he still works in television uh, to this day, uh, directing uh, television episodes. Uh, but yeah, that that streak is just amazing. That from Action Jackson to I Come in Peace to Stone Cold, especially the Stone Cold, is just like. You know, and and then that was really it right there. I mean, he 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 kind of came back to the action genre when he did a, a Sniper Two. Oh, I forgot he the, did that. Yeah, I have. I just picked up another movie uh, he did with Tom Berenger uh, from that last Warner Brothers archive sale, Avenging Angel, which was a TNT western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy still works, but it, it, that was a three movie in a row. Like, wow, this could be amazing, but just all three of them flopped so it just well no i I shouldn't correct myself action jackson didn't flop it was just from a studio that was going under so yeah yeah um i come in peace and uh stone cold definitely are the ones that didn't make the bucks yeah which is unfortunate all right so that is definitely a recommend for us i think all these are pretty much a recommend for us but our second film is deadpool the final dirty harry film and honestly i think a lot better than sudden impact i know a lot of people love sudden impact but it makes me feel bad inside it doesn't even feel like a dirty harry movie yeah it's uh i mean i i enjoy it but it it, it is uh icky at times it feels like miss 45 part two I talked over you, sorry. I said it feels like Miss 45 Part 2 because it's more of a rape, vengeance, exploitation film. Which is, uh, this, it didn't feel like it's in line with where the series was going. And Deadpool is another high concept, really interesting idea. I know it flopped, but I, I just find it so damn entertaining. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's it, it, like, it, it kind of feels like, you know, like Dirty Harry, like, uh, light. But it's, 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 Silly enough in its own, you know, because it does a lot of silly shit. Oh, yes, it does. Uh, that, yeah, but uh, it, it's so much fun in those regards. Like, I just enjoy it, uh, you know, nevertheless, uh, in considering, you know, in comparison, like, we're, we're never going to reach the heights of, like, uh, the original or Magnum Force, but I, I, I doubt they were even trying to do that. They're like, let's just, you know, do our thing here and just, you know, ride off into the sunset kind of thing. There's a movie I'm trying to remember. I just read about it. It was supposed to be the Dirty Harry movie between Sudden Impact and Deadpool. 
and for some reason it didn't sell and it got changed over to something else. It got picked up by another actor and they changed it and I can't remember the damn name of it. But that's why was I took it called some... the silence? What what what? What was it called the silence? No. I feel like it was made in the 90s. It was. Uh, I'll look it up later. But um, that's why there's such a long gap between the two. Plus, this is when Clint was kind of moving away from, uh, you know, doing a lot of just straight up acting that he wanted to be a director too. So sometimes he would hand it over to some of his stunt guys like Bud Lee Hooker and uh, uh, who was the director of this one again? Is it is this Bud Lee uh, Hooker as well? I think it was, no, I think it was Buddy Van Horn. Oh, Buddy Van Horn. I don't know who the hell I'm talking about. Then who's Buddy Van Hooker? Did I just make up someone? No. <laughs> Uh, no, they, uh, I know who you're talking about. Um, it's Buddy Joe Hooker. Oh, okay. He's, he's a stunt guy, uh, you know, a legendary stunt guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was, uh, I think, Buddy Van Horn, who, who just passed away, if, if I'm not mistaken. All the great stunt guys are passing away. It kind of sucks. Yeah, totally. So I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, I, uh, you're right, Buddy Van Horn. I screwed that up. Sorry. Um, this new IMDb layout, it's weird. These giant circle faces. Oh, yeah. This, I don't know what they were thinking when they did that shit. Yeah. Um, and his partner, of course, always has a horrible end. Does he die in this one or does he just get injured? Because I feel like all his partners get shot, at least. He does not. He does not die. He doesn't uh, he, die. He, he, yeah, he actually lives. Okay, because seriously, I thought he got blown up with that little toy <laughs> bomb car thingy. <laughs> he, he does get he does get blown up, but he survives. Okay. Uh, this is uh this one and the first Dirty Harry are the only partners that survive. Uh, Magnum Force Enforcer and Sudden Impact. The uh, the partners die. Oh, terrible! I would never sign up for that. Uh, hey, Harry Callahan needs. No, no, he's on his own. We're good. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Evan Kim from the legendary uh, sketch of was a fistful of yen from uh, Kentucky yes. Fried Movie, and then he was also in V. Uh, we have a, basically the major debut of Liam Neeson in American films because I don't recall him. I don't know if Satisfaction is before or after this. Uh, oh, shit. No, I'm um, sorry. I... I forgot. He was in Suspect the year before this with Cher and Dennis Quaid. That was basically his American debut. But uh, this is basically the road that leads him to be a leading man because two years later he's starring in uh, 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 Darkman. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Crow, but I'm like, yeah, Crow's not an American production. So <laughs> well, also, he's barely in that one. <laughs> that movie cracks me up every time I think about it, about the, the scene where they're in the swamp and the guy's getting sucked down. They're like, just reach for it. He goes, no, I'm good. Thank you. Bye. Go. Go on without me. <laughs> I don't think he's actually drowning. I just don't think he wanted to go on the journey anymore. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Like the minute they left, I was like, all right, we're good. Climbing out of this. <laughs> Um, and of course, we have the legendary appearance of Jim Carrey as a uh, a hard metal rocker, Johnny Squares. Wait, wait, just correction, correction. He was James Carrey in this one. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, this was when he was still James Carrey, oh, and uh, and, and, and I, I find that scene hilarious because he's playing it straight, but you you can't help but like laugh because it's like. Watching him trying to play it straight, and he's doing all like, like when he's lip syncing the song, he's like doing all those rubber face yeah. stuff that you're used to, and you you can't help but laugh because it's like it's Jim, you know. And, but uh, he's playing it straight, and uh, 
I just find it funny, and and, and I, I'm sorry because I know he was taking it very seriously. Yeah, but I can't help but laugh. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that very first time, going, "What the hell am I watching?" <laughs> Man, I'm just looking through some of these facts. I can't believe there's so many facts on a movie that nobody liked at the time. I think it's one of those another where it played on TV so much that it became you know a cult classic because what this movie didn't do very well like at 22 million or something like that because it opened up against a whole bunch of movies and just i think people were just tired of the franchise anyway yeah 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 especially like you know when you open uh, opening up in the summer that had uh die hard and and rambo 3 and all that stuff going on it's like yeah uh well even rambo 3 kind of didn't do as well as uh the last two. No, so. not even close. Oh, it opened July 13th. That is the hardest. I mean, you are definitely competing with Die Hard at this point. Yeah, 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 most definitely. And, like, yeah, like, Die Hard was the, was the jam. You know, everybody wanted Die Hard because, you know, the with, with Die Hard, he was, like, the the, the anti-stone-faced uh, action hero, which, which uh, Clint kind of, you know, made his career on like you know he was the prototype for guys like that him and bronson so it's like eh, we kind of want to go to this guy now who who doesn't look like the the tough guy who looks like he won't make it we kind of resonate with him more than you just being the 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 unkillable badass right. that, that we've known for years yeah it's so funny if you juxtaposition the two movies die hard and rambo 3 which i i went to the theater and saw with my dad is he's a fucking cartoon superhero character in that. I mean, the way they shoot him, the way they play the music, he's just... Even when they shoot him in the side, he's just like, I'm just going to push this thing through, and then, you know, set himself on fire. And you you think about Die Hard, where he's just this little bulldog who just won't give up, he's way too chatty, and he's scared. And when he is digging stuff out of his body, I'm like, Rambo, you actually, like, you cringe, you're, like, worried that he'll never be able to walk again. It looks painful as hell. Yeah, yeah. Then uh you know, next to Rambo who's uh digging a bullet out, he's just like Ugh! Ugh! and then he says, That's the wound on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's a wildly different so Deadpool, yeah, I still think it's entertaining, but it is not nearly the best. Yeah, like you said, as the movie as the series progresses it gets weaker and weaker. Yeah. Uh so our third film is Red Heat. Big Joel Silver team up with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have James Belushi. Uh, dude, call him James or Jim? Jim. Jim Belushi. Okay, so Jim Carrey. Okay, we're sticking with the Jims. Um, yeah. I mean, he had been uh, the star of The Principal of the year earlier, and it did okay. But this is really like his debut to the world as I'm My Name's Above the Title. I'm now, you know, a co-lead. And it wasn't really expensive, but it also it didn't make that much money. It was kind of a middle ground for Carol Cole and, and Walter Hill. Yeah, 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 most definitely. I, I think uh, it was uh, Walter Hill like playing it safe this time because uh, the previous year you had Extreme Prejudice, and uh, unfortunately that one didn't do as well as they had hoped, which 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 is a shame because you know that cast and you know that movie is just amazing. I love Extreme Prejudice, but uh, it didn't do well, so. He kind of went back to you know his tried and true formula, the the, the buddy comedy uh, action flick that you know he basically uh, helped you know kind of uh, set in motion with uh, uh, Forty Eight Hours uh, years ago, 
And uh, I think it's uh, fantastic. I, I remember I did a rewatch of Bullet to the Head a couple months ago, and it was just like, uh, I, I kind of want to rewatch Red Heat now <laughs> because I want to remember Walter Hill when like he was still on top of his game and you know he wasn't way past his prime trying to do these kind of movies. Yeah. Well, I just it's strange that his career lasted as long as it did and I think it's only because these buddy comedies because if you look it's his successful movies are the ones where it was a duo it was 48 Hours uh, mm. Brewster's Millions and yes this made more money than it cost I think it made really uh, most of its money overseas and on video um, then another 48 Hours which some people think is a, uh, a letdown I actually enjoy that one quite a bit and then there's oh, that, yeah, there's love, that long, another 48 hours. long gap of flops he just kept missing the mark, and then he goes back to Bullet to the Head, thinking that's going to be, you know, oh, that's, it's going to work, and no, nope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was. No, uh, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't give it the excuse. <laughs> There's no, the no, axe no, fight. I wasn't. I wasn't. It. Was it, 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 it is a disappointment. <laughs> like I, 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 I kind of had to like take a step back and look at it on its own merits because I was. Um, uh, I was putting too much on it because I was severely disappointed in the fact that, you know, you had Stallone, you had Joel Silver producing, you had Walt Hill directing, and I was really kind of disappointed that it wasn't. Then I have to, you know, you have to remember that, you know, these guys are way past their prime, you know, and it's like, uh, I mean, it's decent, <laughs> but it's it's nowhere near like their prime stuff right you know it's i remember when thomas jane i was really upset when he was fired from that movie and then after i saw it i was like well he got out of that one <laughs> yeah he dodged a bullet yeah just like way with jonah hex he dodged a bullet with that one too but um i i like red heat i've seen it a bunch but the older i get i kind of see that there's a dark cynicism and almost nihilistic feel to it that i don't care for um i also yeah. can tell and I did. I read the backstory on this. This really was not a movie that was put together. It was just slapped as the movie was going to production. It's like we have an outline, and you can see Jim Belushi and Arnold are just improving for half this movie. They're, only the action sequences seem to be done. Everything else just seems like just put the camera in front of them and let them wing it. Yeah, I mean it, that was a blessing in the skies because it, it, that's really where the movie gets made for me. Is just that. yeah this this uh chemistry between the two of them because they really work extremely well together uh i mean obviously it worked well enough because they're still friends to this day um but like yeah the schwarzenegger and belushi is like it's just like you know you ever, you ever watch a movie where it's like it's a it's a odd pairing that's like and then it works and it's like it shouldn't work but it works damn well like uh for instance uh, like fifty fifty with Peter Weller, and Robert Hayes. <laughs> Robert like, Hayes of all people, you're like what? <laughs> like yeah, like I remember I I, uh, I I bought it on DVD years ago and I showed it to my ex girlfriend who was on the phone and I was like, hey, look what I got and she turned to me annoyed like you know I'm on the phone and then like she looks at it and then she scratches her face up and she goes, that's an odd pairing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think of uh, Downtown, which comes out I think in a year or two. With uh, Anthony yeah. Edwards and Forrest Whitaker, and it works. You're like, how did you even think to you know put these two people together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that, that like Red Heat basically is like personifies that. Like you would never think to pair Schwarzenegger with uh, 
John Belushi's brother, and it absolutely works magic. Yeah. You know, but the core of the story, do you feel that works? I, I just got kind of tired of the just brutal sense of it. It didn't even feel like what Walter Hill usually does in his movies. It, it felt like it was trying to go to the most extreme of what he uh, of what action movies were doing at that time. It is truly bloody, but not in that wild and crazy way like RoboCop is. I just felt kind mm. of bad watching this. I think that's more Schwarzenegger than anything. The Schwarzenegger loves shit like that. You know, that's why he wanted to work with Verhoeven so so bad when they did Total Recall. He he saw Robocop and he loved it. He was like, Yeah, he loves all that violent, bloody shit. You know, he he, he loves that, you know. So if I I think that was more his influence than anything else. Uh you know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Walter Hill was like, fine, fuck it, let's do it. You yeah. Know, I don't care. <laughs> well, Caracol's going to write you the check for this and then later give you a check for uh, um, Johnny Handsome. Yeah, I would I would let it slide too. You're going to let me do a couple pet projects? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 most definitely. The, also, uh, I, I forgot to, I was talking about Extreme Prejudice earlier and uh, I forgot to mention that uh, this movie actually takes place in the same universe as Extreme Prejudice. What? Because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end of Extreme Prejudice, um, spoilers for Extreme Prejudice, uh, uh, Nick Nolte saves the day, and uh, he's surrounded by uh, Powers Booth goons, one of them being uh, his main henchman. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we let you go and you do us favors. And Nick Nolte's like, I did you a favor. Now you get to be the one wearing the white suit. And Red Heat, Victor Ross, played by Ed Ross, uh, is meet the, doing the big drug deal, and he gets approached by a man in a white suit. Oh, and it's the yeah. same dude from Extreme Prejudice. Okay, now I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I had no idea. that was. It's like a way of keeping it alive and, and people paying attention to it. Yeah, it's really a shame that Extreme Prejudice, you can't even get it in widescreen unless you buy a foreign uh-huh. Blu-ray, which I don't have a region-free player. Yeah, that's that's the damn shame. I'm I'm hoping that we get a nice 4K restoration yeah. of you know widescreen because I'm tired of looking at that yeah, fucking it looks so full screen. Studio Canal owns the rights and they seem to have signed up with Kino Lorber. So let's hope they finally put it out. Oh yes, 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 absolutely. All right. So our fourth and final film is Shoot to Kill, another buddy movie, but not really like the same style you know what i mean like the, the comedy is much more natural it's not a lot of one-liners but they work off each other so well yeah 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 and it's another odd pairing too you know uh i mean i, I love tom berringer as an actor but uh, it, uh it's like you, you're being paired with Cindy partier you know saying the who, who was you know even at that time was acting legend you know and a man who basically you know started uh the whole uh you know black guy white guy movie you know defiant ones and then the heat of the night you know picky and the... no wait never mind sorry i almost said it wasn't <laughs> in i feel like an idiot sorry i'm gonna shut up now <laughs> that's it's all good it's all good it's all good but um yeah like so you you have this this acting titan and then you have tom berenger who you know is an incredible actor but it's like oh that's that's another odd one but you know they absolutely work incredible together yeah well you have to also remember at that time he was hot he had come off a platoon and uh uh, someone to watch over me was really well respected did okay 
And also, maybe just Sidney Poitier, you know, and the director just said, let's go find the people you can work best off of, not so much who's going to be, you know, the most uh, box office potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I, I know that uh, they, they, they don't, sometimes actors don't necessarily want somebody who's another big star. You know, it's like you, you have like a big, you know, big star, and then you have somebody who's like up and coming, and you have that pairing. Like, um, I know, uh, 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 Denzel Washington has done that a few times. You know, he did Unstoppable with Chris Pine. Yeah. He did, uh, uh, what was that, Safe House with Ryan Reynolds. I can't really say Two Guns because uh, Mark Wahlberg was already established, but you get what I mean. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I was thinking, wasn't Kevin Pollack uh, basically no name when he got cast as his partner in Ricochet and it kind of helped him for a few years? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's another movie that we're going to discuss, and I like it, but there's some stuff in it that makes me kind of feel, ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a hard one, but I, 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 love, uh, I love me some Ricochet. Um, so this one, I think, and I didn't realize it was so expensive at the time, not because of the names involved, but if you watch it, you really see how difficult that production was, and I cannot believe that Sidney Poitier put himself, he had to have been, what, early 50s by this point? Mm-hmm. He's that's not all stunt work. That is him being tied up and, and climbing around on this stuff. And I just like I I have a thing with heights. <laughs> and there's so many times in this movie where I was like, oh no, can't look, can't look, can't look. And they're putting their actors yeah, in, yeah. in one way or another. I mean, I'm sure they're safety harnessed up and everything, but there's no green screen. I can see green screen like nobody's business. And there's no forced perspective as far as I can tell. They really just did what they could. They may put a net under them or something. But this is really good, good stunt work. Yeah, yeah, that whole scene where they they climb, where he, uh, Tom Berger's character is climbing between the the mountains on the the cord. The, oh god! And uh, you you could they literally show like you could see there's no net underneath him. Like that's literally you know the, well the stunt performer above the water like all the like also like when when it collapses and like you know he's swinging between the you know. That, that that shit is just like yeah like you know this is back in the day when like you know they didn't have cgi or anything they just had badass stuntmen who had no fear that who just went out and did the shit you know yeah it's amazing how uh just the the stuff that they put them through but they're so focused that's the thing about this. these two characters they don't get along at all um which is kind of a cliche uh, in that that little mini genre of buddy movies but mm-hmm. they're both so driven and that's what you know they get in fights over and they, they push themselves into I mean literally at one point he's like I'm going to shoot you if you don't take me along you're not going without me because he wants yeah. to get vengeance for the woman who was killed in the beginning of the movie and Tom Berenger wants the love of his life back I like they do these things usually in movies where they're damsel in distresses especially in the 80s where they're kind of weak and useless but Kirstie Alley has her own agency yes she is a hostage but she is always trying to come up with a plan and that's what I appreciated about it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I like when uh, she says to fire, and uh, he's like, "Oh, no, no, you, you know, you're not that slick." Yeah, like, and he puts it out because you know, he's like, she's trying to send smoke signals. So like, "Oh, okay, so now I can't cook the fish. Now we got to eat it raw." Fuck up, <laughs> you know. And she tosses him the fish, and she's just sitting there like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." This is what you got to do now, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, well, and then it shows there's a moment of weakness on his face because he's grossed out by it. And I was like, that's interesting because he's been so dark and stoic the whole time. 
Right, right, right. And if you haven't seen the movie, also, sorry we ruined it a little bit for you because the first half of the movie is a mystery. You don't know who the killer is. They do a brilliant job of it because almost everybody they cast has been a villain or an asshole in some other movie that you've seen before this, so you're never sure who is who. Absolutely. That's that's what I enjoy about it is just that, you know, you you got, um, you know, he's, the killer has blended himself in with this this, you know, group. And then it's like, you know, you got Clancy Brown, you got Richard uh, Mazur, um, you know, who was also uh, the the kind of hidden Clark in the thing. And then you got uh, Andrew Robinson, who was the Scorpio killer in <laughs> fucking uh, 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 Dirty Harry. Yeah. You know, and, and, well, and, and, just and, and just the rest of the guys all yeah. do look untrustworthy, too. So it's like. Oh yeah, we're having a we're really having a guessing game of who's going to be the, the 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 major asshole. Yeah, and, and then, then of course it's the fucking Kurgan. <laughs> yeah, and then once they reveal that though, the movie kind of switches. The first half is a thriller. It is almost yeah. like a, if they just switch the tone a little bit, it would seem more like a horror film. And the second half is survival thriller because they have to feel, you know face off against bears, the ice storm, all sorts of you know you know falling down the cliff. And then it changes at the very end. It becomes a full-on action movie. Uh, so this one doesn't really fit in in the classification of what we put the other three in. But I still mm-hmm. this is an action thriller to me, so I still think it qualifies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like action adventure thriller kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. And like I was, I was constantly reminded of like, uh, which is weird too because it came out before. But uh, which, well, I mean, correction, it was actually made before. But the movie I'm talking about is Survival Quest. Uh, oh yeah, Cosmarelli. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was getting vibes while I was rewatching. I was getting vibes of Survival Quest, and it's like it was Survival Quest came out after, after, but it was actually made before. And the only reason Survival Quest came out at all is because uh, Coscarelli released uh, Phantasm Two in '88, where Universal released it in '88, and it was a hit. And so they decided to put out Survival Quest. So I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not be surprised if that's announced in the next run of Vinegar Syndrome because I believe Coscarelli owns the rights because when he put Beastmaster out with Anchor Bay, you know, 20 years ago, Survival Quest was part of that package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like that is a Quest. good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that we get a, like a... Uh, like a revitalization of Survival Quest because this is damn that's a damn good movie yeah. but a damn good cast too. Lance Henderson, uh, Dermot Mulroney, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got Catherine Keener in there. You got uh, um, damn the the actor who played um, Drake in a uh, was it the, the guy who played Drake in uh, Aliens? I'm gonna have to look. Uh, I think is he the yeah, villain, yeah. right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, I believe that's right. I haven't seen this movie in so long. God, it's been out of print forever. I wonder if someone even has... Oh, Amazon apparently has it on Prime. That almost means, yeah, because he sold Beastmaster to Prime and Survival Quest to Prime. I'm telling you, this is coming soon. It means $62,000? Yeah, it got got thrown away. Yeah, it got thrown away. That's lame. Um, Before we go, I do want to say real quickly, uh, did you get your Severin Severin, uh, shipment yet? Because I'm waiting. Um, no, I actually bought my Severin shipment in store, so... Oh, that's right, you have a store near you, so I am still waiting for my post-apocalyptic collection. I can't wait! Apparently I'm going to have to yeah. wait, but I can't wait! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'll go back for those later, but I was only focused on uh, Strike Commander 1 and 2, so... Yeah, I'm going to get those eventually. I'm going to probably wait till the Black Friday sale. 
I hear you. Um, so we, our show is back. It's just a couple years there. We just didn't have enough to really put together a segment. So this is the this is the 1988 segment. 1989. Oh my God, we're talking Roadhouse, Next of Kin. Uh, what other action movies from '89? Uh, Dead Bang. Um, Yo, yeah. Black Rain. Black Rain. Come on, people. No one ever talks about Black Rain. We got to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a damn shame because Black Rain is fucking awesome. So I think we accidentally just picked our four. We might find something else other instead. But um, <laughs> so before we go, let's do your plugs because this is not his only show. He's a guest on my show. I'm gonna be a guest on the uh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, uh, we've got the Action Drunkies, uh, my show where I co-host with my brother uh, Mac the All Star, where we talk about action films. Uh, we've got my uh, my horror podcast. Well, it's not my horror podcast. It's, uh, my dear dear friend Candy the Final Girl. It's her horror podcast, The House That Screams. Uh, I'm currently working on, um, well, I just finished the guest list. And, uh, if you were on Twitter and you saw, uh, my buddy, uh, Hibachi Justice, Mr. Mike Scott from Atkins Undisputed, he has seen the guest list. And, uh, if, if you're following him, you would know that the, the guest list that I have lined up of guests, including, uh, who I'm Mr. Yours Truly, who I'm talking to right here is going to be amazing like i put together like an amazing slew of people yeah i haven't seen the list about... yet i just heard everybody talking about it but i'm gonna be talking I, about yeah, wild I, card I, I love that movie yes yes of course uh the guest list is for my new show i'm putting together called wrath of state a podcast retrospective on jason statham cinema's true throat punch king where we'll be discussing the film uh, filmography of one mr jason statham uh, all the way from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels to his most recent feature, Wrath of Man. And uh, I can't wait to dig into that. Uh, love me some Statham, and I can't wait to you know talk to you and everybody else. I got lined up. Uh, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. And uh, if you are on Twitter, Cinema Drunkie for him and Retro Rocket Entertainment oh. for me, where we have our little action Twitter group together, come and join, have some fun, because we're not a big bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I keep saying, forgetting to, to plug my fucking Twitter and shit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's okay. Uh, at the Cinema Drunkie, uh, Cinema Drunkie, uh, also the Cinema Drunkie on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Uh, let me plug my brother, Mac the All-Star, at Mac the All-Star on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, uh, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it without that guy. Uh, I love him. Uh, also, shout out to Mike Scott from Atkins Undisputed. Uh, just one of the greatest dudes ever. And shout out to, to, to you, Michael, with... Um, I, I wouldn't have any of these opportunities and having all this, you know, going around the uh, podcast work. But was it you? You're the one who gave me my shot. And uh, I, I thank you for that every day, man. I'm welling up. Also, I feel like an early 90s hip hop track where we're telling everybody. <laughs> you remember how they used to do that? Like, they used to call out every rapper they knew. <laughs> well, I keep thinking about you know, I love third base, but I'm telling you right now, half of that CD is them doing shout outs to all the people they love. <laughs> Herbals in the mouth, make it, make it, make it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go now instead of horse and run. Bye. Have a good one.